right, find your place. Find James chapter number 4. How many of you need a lesson? Raise your hand if you need a lesson. I need everybody to get a lesson because this is a brand new lesson. Uh, we're going to tag on to what we didn't finish, but it's a new outline. It's going to be the same. Uh, it, it's finishing up the old outline from last week, but I got a bunch of good stuff to go with it, all right? So I made up a totally new outline, all right? So you need this one. So if you didn't get it, raise your hand. Raise your hand. We want you to make sure and get that. Uh, we need to fly like the wind, all right? Make sure. Raise your hand. That way they can, they can help you. Want, want to make sure you get them. Got several across there. All right, all right. We may need some more. Maybe, maybe not. All right. Do I need to print some more? Does Buchanan need to print some more? Okay. Uh, listen, tonight is going to be really, really good. I, I, learned, I learned several things uh, in this particular chapter that's going to really, really, really help us. How many of y'all, when it comes to fighting Satan, even fighting Satan in, in self, uh, how many of y'all are tired of losing? Me too, me too. I, I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of getting defeated. I'm tired of uh, uh, being tempted. I'm tired of fa failing when it comes to the things that, that, that Satan tries to come against us. Uh, tonight, we are going to learn something about guaranteed victory. Guaranteed victory. Say that with me. Guaranteed victory, things that we have to do. And for three or four weeks, we've been studying the fact that we have basically three enemies. We have the devil, we have our own self, the flesh we have to fight, and we have this world's culture that we have to live in. How many of y'all remember all that? Say amen. So we have those enemies that we fight. We fight temptation, we fight Satan, we fight this culture, we fight the sinful world, wickedness all around us, so forth and so on. Well, we can win, and we will win. Say amen. So let's look, let's start in, in James chapter number four in verse number six, verse number six. <clears throat> it says, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith God. Now here's the thing. Let me, let me stop here a minute. Before we, before we go into these steps, and that's what it's going to be tonight. It's going to be steps, steps that we can actually take and do to, to, to guarantee victory. But before we go into it, there's something that you need to know about God. And there's something that you need to know about how God feels about certain things, okay? And it's going to be found in this verse. Watch this, watch this. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, now watch, now watch. God resisteth the proud. God resisteth the proud. Now that word resisteth is the same word that where it says that we are to resist the devil, to stand against the devil, to oppose the devil, to fight against the devil. Now what is that saying? God he doesn't just not like pride. He, he doesn't just not appreciate people acting or being proud. He actively opposes it. Do y'all get that? He, he, it's not that he just don't like it. He will do things to resist it. He will do things to oppose it. But watch what he does. He, re, he resists the proud, but giveth, giveth grace unto the humble. The word grace there means favor. It means, it means blessing. It means goodness. How many of y'all could use the favor of God in your life? Look, 
He, now, now think about this. When we go into these steps, keep this in mind. God not only hates pride, he fights against it. He not only hates pride, but he will oppose it. He will, he will, he will come against it. But when it comes to humility and it comes to people who are humble, the Bible says he pours his favor upon them. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I know which side of that deal I want to be on. Amen? Now watch. Now watch. Here we go. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind as we go into this. Verse 7. Since we know that God resisteth the proud, and he giveth grace unto the humble. Watch, watch what he tells us to do. Now this is our, our job. This is our part. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will what? He'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Uh, read this with me, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Say that again. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessings. God, I pray that you please, just, just help me uh, to, to deliver this word to your people like you delivered it to me. Help me. I need your anointing. I need the Spirit of God on me like never before. Please give me the ability to strengthen their faith, to encourage and lift up and help them to leave here winners. Lord, we're not on the losing side. We're on the winning side. And a lot of times we leave defeated when we shouldn't. We should leave in victory. And God, I pray that your perfect will be done today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let me read, let me read the first paragraph in your notes uh, uh, in the introduction just by way uh, of ch- kind of leading us into this deal. Okay? Uh, for the past three or four weeks in the first six verses of James... Uh, we saw that it is our own desires that keeps us in a state of conflict. He says, where do wars come among you? Where do these conflicts come among you? What's all the fighting and all that coming from? He said, it's the inward desires that you have that's inside. When we allow our desires to become the controlling force in our lives, then we create a war between God's will and our will. Does that make sense? Say amen. It, there, there becomes a battle between what God wants for me and what I want for me. How many of y'all have been, y'all, y'all, you're going to admit tonight that there has been that time in your life that God wanted something and you wanted something different. Okay? So that creates a war. That creates a conflict. All right? Now, when we got that going on, then that war between our will and God's will, it creates a battle between us and other people. Why? Because when you're not right with God, it's very difficult to be right with others. It's very difficult. The most miserable people I've ever seen in my life are those who are either running from God or backslidden from God. Are y'all with me? When Jonah was running from God, he was running wide open. His will was fighting God's will. And guess what happened? It caused everybody he was running with to go into a storm. And so now we've got the conflict. We've got the wars. Okay? It, now, it is only as we get control of our desires that we refuse to allow our pride to be in control. Uh, of our lives that we can find strength from God to live for him. It is only then that we can have peace too. James lays out several steps to take a, or, or to take a guaranteed victory and to experience God's favor in our life. Now, here, here's, here's what I want to do. 
I, 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 I had laid out like seven things, seven individual things that we can do. But the more I studied it and the more I looked it up and the more I read it and the more I put some of the Old Testament with the New Testament, I found out that there wasn't seven, there was really four. Because when we get to, when we get to draw nigh to God, the things that's under it is listing and Him telling you specifically how to do that, how to draw nigh to God. So this is going to be really good. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I mean, this is going to be really good. So this is stuff that you can do tonight when you get home. This is not a history lesson. This is not something. How many of y'all remember being in school and learning stuff in, in, in maybe uh, trigonometry, and you thought to yourself, this ain't, I'm never going to use this. How many of y'all say amen? That's not the case here. You can use this tomorrow, amen? Now, number one, number one. All right, if we're gonna if we're gonna guarantee victory in our life, if we're gonna win this fight, if we're gonna win this war, uh, if we're gonna be victorious like God wants us to be, and God expects us to be, and God He has prepared us to be, the first thing we have to do, first thing, very first, and, and, and you got to do this first because none of the rest of it will work unless we do this first. The Bible says, submit to God. Submit to God. You say, well, that's a, that's a no-brainer. If that's the case, then why aren't all of us doing that? Submit to God. What does the word submit mean? It means to yield, to resign, or surrender to the power, will, or authority of. What does that mean? It means you come to God and you say, I give up. You come to God and you say, as Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. God, it's not what I want, it's what you want. Lord, it's not my desires, but your desires. Uh, it, what does he say to pray every day? When they asked him, said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, pray this in, in this manner. Uh, he said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What does he mean? That means start out with praise and honor. He said, thy kingdom come, thy... Now watch, now watch. Thy will be done on as it, as it, as it as it is in heaven. Now, what does that mean? God has a plan for you already laid out. He says, as it is in heaven. In other words, when you wake up in the morning, you say, God, help me to do today what you've already got planned for me in heaven. Does that make sense? Thy will be done. Help me to do on earth what you've already got planned for me in heaven. Thy will be done. Now, watch. When it comes to submission... When it comes to submission, there's three things that we need to submit to. Three things we need to submit to. First, A, write this down. We have to submit to his authority. We have to submit to his authority. You say, why is that first? Why is that first? Because the word authority, the, word, the definition to the word authority means this, a right to command. He, in other words, let me just break it down. He has a right to tell you what to do. He has a right to tell you how to live. He has a right to tell you how to behave. He has a basically this. He has a right to boss you around. Do you know what nobody on this planet likes to be bossed around? Nobody on this planet likes to be told what to do. I'm talking about from a toddler's age all the way to a senior's age. Nobody likes to be told what to do. We don't like to be bossed around. We Listen, that's just not in our nature. But you know the moment that you got saved, the moment that you surrendered your life, the moment that you trusted Christ as your Savior, he purchased you. 
The Bible says you're not redeemed by corruptible things, but you're redeemed by the blood. He bought you. You are not your own. He is now the owner. Does that make sense? So before we talk about what he wants us to do, you've got to get it in your head that God has a right to tell me what to do. God has a right to tell me to surrender to him. God has a right to tell me these things in my life. He is the owner. He is my God. He's not only my God, he's my Savior. He's not only my creator, he's my Savior. He has a right. He's authority. So I have to submit to his authority. I have to submit to his right to, to basically boss me around, tell me what to do. So now, and this, is, this, is, this is gets a little harder. Not only do we submit to his authority, we have to submit to his agenda. In other words, his plan for your life. Sometimes his plan is not the same as our plan. You remember, you remember what Jesus said in the garden, Lord, not my, but thy will be done. You know, God has a plan. God has a plan. My plan was to be a veterinarian. They don't talk back. Say amen. It really was. I mean, I, that was, I, I was not planning on being a pastor or a preacher. That was the last thing on my list, I promise you. That's just not what I imagined myself doing my whole life. But God had a plan. And I'm, now I'm glad. I'm glad I surrendered when I was 17. I, I, I am now. But at that moment, at that moment, how many of y'all know at the moment of surrender, sometimes it's difficult. God, you want me to do what? Y'all with me? God's working something in my life right now for Temple and, and, and for the future that, 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 that I've, been, I've been praying about. Actually, I've been running from and avoiding. Saying, Lord, that's the last thing. I don't want to do that. That's going to be too much headache, and that's going to be too much. And, and, and usually I kind of find that it's usually God's will when it's the last thing I want to do. Amen? So, so we must submit to his authority. We must submit to his agenda. Now, remember, remember this, this seems like we're running rabbits. But, it, but it's all in the deal. What, are, what, is the, what is the overall subject? Victory. Victory. Some of us have no victory in our life because we haven't fully submitted to God's plan for our life. We're fighting the devil tooth and nail and the devil's winning like crazy because we haven't let go and given him the right to have charge in our life. Preacher, what are you saying? When you're doing your way, your thing, the way you want to do it, uh, you're on your. When are you going to have God's power, God's provision, God's protection? When you're doing God's purpose. Amen? So all this is going together. It's going to seem like we're running rabbits, but it's all going to tie together, all right? We have to submit to his authority, the right to tell us what to do. Then we have to submit to his, his, his what? His agenda, his plan, his purpose for our life. Now, this one's, I think this is the hardest one out of all of them. Uh, I think we have to submit to his activity in our life. His activity in our life. You say, preacher, what do you mean? The, the times when he takes you through the storm. The time when he takes you through the fiery trial. 
You remember in the New Testament when, 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 when God was trying to encourage the, the, the Christians there, and he said, he said listen, don't, don't be surprised at the fiery trial which is to try you. He said, listen, when these issues come and these, 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 these valleys come and these, these hardships come and these, these attacks come in your life, he said, don't be surprised. He said, uh, if need be, if need be, if you go through a difficult time, if need be, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perishes. Are y'all with me right there? In other words, God's going to allow us. God's going to work on us. God's going to work on us. Who, who did anybody not get a lesson? Did anybody not get a lesson? We have got them printed. I want you to have them, or I wouldn't have stopped right in the middle of this. All right, I want everybody to get one that needs one. We got one over there. We got. They're going to take that and, and and over here, over here. All right, all right. Now, now, how many how many understand that when God goes to pruning on you, it doesn't always feel good, because God sometimes will take people out of your life. Because the people that are in your life is not conducive to you fulfilling the will of God in your life. Oh, but I love them. Yeah, but they're a cancer. Oh, but I love that, that, that activity I do. Yeah, but it's hindering you from accomplishing the will of God in your life. Oh, there, it might be a person. It might be an activity. It might be a habit. Hey, it might be an attitude. It might be a grudge that's eating you up on the inside. And God's not going to let that fly. How you know? Because the Bible says in John 15, it says that, 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 that if he is the vine, or excuse me, he's the vine, we are the branches. If we abide in him, we'll bear much fruit. What's he going to do when you bear fruit? He's going to purge you. Y'all with me? That means cut on you. And that's not fun. But you may tell you, you may tell you when you'll get the most out of, out of that is when you submit. Have, have, you ever, have you ever heard people like the doctor, when he comes to give you that shot or whatever, he says, now relax. <laughs> comes in with a needle that long and tells you to relax. But the more you, <laughs> I better shut up. I may have to go to surgery again. Hey, man, I'm going to behave. The more you fight it, the worse off it is. And do you realize that when God has to work on us, it doesn't feel good. It's not fun. It's, it's not very pleasant. A lot of times it's very painful. But the more we fight it, the worse it is. But the moment we say, okay, God, if I have to go this trial, God, if I have to experience this storm, if I have to, God, if this is what you want in my life, is it, if this is what you want me to face, then I surrender. You remember when Paul said, oh, God, he said, there was a thorn given unto me because of the abundance of the revelation. God has given a thorn, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, wrap me. In other words, he was saying it was a very painful thing. He said, I asked God and I begged God thrice. I mean, this was not something he just asked once. He came again and again to God and said, please get this out. And God said, I can't. I've given this to you as a gift. This is going to keep you humble so I can use you and you can be a blessing to. And so, what Paul say? Okay. He said, Therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me? What did he do at that moment? He submitted to God's working in his life. Are y'all with me? Say amen. We'll never have victory in our life till we learn to submit. We'll never have victory in our life till we submit to his authority, till we submit to his purpose and his agenda in his life. 
I probably would have never been a good vet. Say amen. It's, well, I'm not going to say that. Uh, number two, number two. I got something real funny, but they wouldn't appreciate it, Steve. Amen. Uh, submit, submit to God. How many of you right now, say right now, preacher, uh, uh, that, that I need that in my life. Let's say amen right there. I need to submit. Number two, number two, resist the devil. That sounds like a no-brainer. It does, doesn't it? Well, that's obviously okay. Is it that obvious? Then why are we getting our eyes beat out all the time? Listen, here's what I, here's what I think. I think some of us have failed so much, we've just resigned to the fact we're going to fail. Have you ever seen have you ever seen those 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 ball teams that, that have struggled all year and, and they've done lost so much that it doesn't really matter who they're playing, they've just, just resigned to the fact they're gonna they're gonna lose anyway. So with that, we don't make an effort. So thinking that we don't give a hundred percent. And I think some of them, there's been times in my life I But do you know what God is saying right here? He says when it comes to facing the devil. You've got to make an effort. You can't just give in to temptation. You've got to make an effort. You have to resist him. You have to do something. You cannot just say, leave me alone. Y'all with me? You've got to oppose him. Now, how do we do that? Jesus gave us a great example. First, first, write this down. First thing we have to do when we come against Satan is you've got to understand his way. You can't fight the devil like you fought your brother or your sister, your cousin, or your, 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 the bully down the street. You, you don't fight that way. You, you can't fight Satan that way. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Power, all right, so, the, so there's a different type of fight in here. There's a different type of battle. You've got to understand the way he works. The only way to defeat the enemy is you've got to know how the enemy operates. Are you all with me? Say amen. Now watch. Now watch. Ephesians 6, 11 says this, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the, against the wiles of the devil. Now, the word wiles is, is the word trickery. Trickery. He's a shyster. He's a, he's a, he's a trickster. He, he's a deceiver. That's what he's done his whole, his whole career. John 8, 44. Watch this. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the what? Because there is no, when he speaketh a, when he speaketh a, he speaketh of his own. For he is a, not only is he a liar, he's behind all of them. Now watch, two things I want you to write down. His primary method, now this is our enemy, remember? The devil's as a roaring lion, roaming about seeking whom he may devour, right? He's our enemy. What's his, what's his method? What's his method? His primary method is deception. Write that word down. His primary method is deception. He's not going to come against you 
uh, with a tornado or with lightning, or he, he's not going to come against you. He's going to come against you with deception. He's going to try to deceive you. He's going to try to make you think something that is not true to be true. Kind of like this. God don't care about you. If God really cared, you remember what he said to, 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 to Jesus? And some people think when he says, uh, if thou be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. He's not testing him. He's not, he's not daring him. If you will really study that out, he knew he was the son of God. I mean, he's the one that kicked him out of heaven. He knew who he was. He knew exactly who he was talking to. This is, this is the, 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 the phrase and terminology, if we can put it the way we understand it. He, he was saying, look, man, you're the prince of heaven. What in the world are you doing starving to death? Turn these stones into bread. He was insinuating that his father didn't care enough about him to give him something to eat. What was he doing? He was deceiving. His primary method when it comes to destroying marriages is deception. When it comes to destroying ministries is deception. When it comes to destroying people, it's deception. What did he do with Eve? Deceive. What, 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 did learn, what did we learn about Adam and Eve? Adam disobeyed, but Eve was deceived. Y'all with me? Now watch. His method, his primary method is deception. And here's the deal. His primary weapon is a lie. I, you say you're, just, you're oversimplifying this. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm going somewhere. His primary method is deception. His primary weapon is a lie. He always uses a lie to do the deceiving. Is this making sense? You got to know this so you know what gun to use. Y'all with me? In other words, you're not going to hunt for a grizzly with the gun that you hunt a rabbit with. Because if you do, he's going to eat you. Did y'all hear about, that, about them hikers running from that grizzly? Grizzly chased these hikers, went up a tree, and that hiker, he was Christian. He said, oh, God, oh, God, let this be a Christian bear. Oh, God, let this be a Christian bear. Please let this be a Christian bear. When that bear got to that tree, he said, our Father in heaven, thank you for this meal I'm about to partake of. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't. I, I'm sorry. What does that teach us? Be specific in your prayer. Amen. He was a Christian bearer. All right. Um, now, so what are we talking about? We're talking about the weapon. How do we resist the devil? By understanding his way. He deceives and he uses lies. He deceives and he uses lies, okay? B, how, how do we resist the devil? By utilizing the word. By utilizing the word. Watch what it says in Ephesians 6, 13. <clears throat> He says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, this will be a good study one day we'll do, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation. Now, now things change. Everything in the armor has been defensive. You notice that? Everything in the armor so far has been defensive. Now we're talking about 
the offensive side of the deal. Watch what he says. He says, and the sword of the spirit. That's important. That's important. It doesn't say the sword of the saint. Watch, 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 watch. The sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. All right. Now, we know that the Bible says this is a sharp sword, sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, uh, it, it is alive, and, and, and it's quick and powerful. word quick there means alive. Uh, uh, it's a sword, right? But it, whose sword? The spirit sword. The spirit sword. You say, why would he say that? Now, let's think about this. Let's think about this. All right? Let's go back to Jesus. Let's go back to Jesus. How many of y'all know Jesus is our, our primary example in life? Okay, Jesus was tempted of the devil. The devil came and warred against Jesus, okay, in the garden, uh, in the wilderness, not in the garden, in the wilderness. All right, right after, right after he was baptized, the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost drove him into the wilderness, and there he was tempted by Satan. Forty days he fasted. After he had fasted 40 days, here comes the devil. How many of y'all know the devil will come at your weakest point? And he will attack the area of your weakness. He had not ate for 40 days. I don't know about y'all, but we'd be hungry. Say amen. So he comes and he goes to deceive Jesus. He goes, he goes to deceive Jesus. He said, if thou be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. In other words, it sounded like he cared about him. Think about that a minute. It almost sounded like the devil, Satan, the enemy, was caring for Jesus, being hungry, trying to help him out. Hint, 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 hint. The devil's not going to come to you with, with glowing eyes and fiery teeth with blood dripping. He's going to come as a friend. You know that person that just wants to just help you with your issues? of the opposite sex when your marriage is having issues? I, I just care. And that's a whole nother message. <laughs> All right. If thou be the son of God, you know, turn these stones into bread. You hungry, man. And Jesus says, it is written. It is written. There's three words right there that every single Christian should get emblazoned in their minds, emblazoned in their minds, it is written. It is written. Why? Because he didn't flick him off the planet. He didn't. He didn't call angels out of heaven to come and 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 fight against him. Do you know what he did to defeat Satan? Do you know what he used to defeat Satan? The same thing that's sitting in your lap. The same thing that I stressed severely Sunday that we've got to get and we've got to learn and we've got to study the word of God. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, by, by, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay, here's another thing we've got to get. He said he tempted him again. Are y'all with me? Every single time. And by the way, the second time, the second time he tried to use the word against the word. Took him to a high pinnacle and said, uh, you know, uh, 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 
that just jump off, just throw yourself off. Don't, didn't, isn't it written that, 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 that the angels won't let you dash your foot against the stone? Trying to test. He said, yeah, it's also written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. What does that teach us? Don't think that the devil don't know the word. And don't think the devil won't try to twist the word to deceive you. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten, I've gotten into discussions with people who try to use the word of God to defend their sinful lifestyle. And they twist it out of context to use and try to say what God didn't say. Are y'all with me? But every time, every time he used the word. It is written, second time, it is written, third time, it is written. You know what the Bible says? He left him. He left him. But here's a key. For a season. For a season. What does that mean? You may gain a great victory today in your temptation, but don't think he's going to leave you alone. Don't think he won't come back and try to find another area of weakness. Just because you defend your weakness today doesn't mean you won't have another weakness tomorrow. What is, what is so important about that? Why are you stressing that? Because the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion who roameth about, watch this, seeking whom he, he may devour. What's he doing in that? He's looking for weaknesses. And by the way, I, I, I wouldn't advise anybody to speak a lot of your weaknesses and tell a bunch of people your weaknesses or share a bunch of your weaknesses because he's listening. And he's not like God. He can't read your mind. So if you've got to struggle with something, keep it to yourself. And tell God only. Amen. Listen, understand his way. Understand that he's a liar. Understand his primary method of operation is deception. Now, we utilize the word. Why do we utilize the word? What is the only way to defeat a lie? The truth. Now, now, you remember, you remember what I said? That it is the sword of the... Watch, watch. It is the Holy Spirit's responsibility to draw the gun. It's your job to load it with bullets. Did y'all catch what I said? What does that mean? It means this. Especially areas of weaknesses. I would encourage every Christian... If I, had, if I had a weakness uh, of drinking alcohol, I'd memorize every verse in the Bible that dealt with drunkenness and, and, and messing with alcohol. Wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. They that are deceived thereby are not wise. You know, there's, there's tons of them. Memorize them all. You know why? Because, because when that temptation comes, the Holy Spirit inside of you is going to draw the sword. And when you're tempted in an area of weakness, he's going to quote it to you. Listen, men, it may be, it may be lusting after women. Listen, if that's the case, memorize verses. Memorize verses. Listen, it says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why should I look upon a maid? Jesus said, don't look upon a woman to lust after her because you've committed adultery already in your heart. Put that in your head. Put that in your heart. Why? Because when she walks by, the Holy Spirit's going to say, Put them eyes back, boy. Let <laughs> me, 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 me tell you how I can prove that. 
there's been, there's been verses that I've memorized when I was in the fourth grade that I haven't looked over again since I was in the fourth grade. There's been times at the moment of my need, whether it was praying for somebody or helping somebody else, all of a sudden I just remembered a verse that I hadn't thought of in years. What happened? The Holy Spirit drew the sword. But he can't put something in your head that's not there. That's why the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. It's, it's kind of like my, my uh, uh, when I was a senior in high school, I done had all my stuff, all my credits. And all, I just had to have a class just to, which I'm ashamed of. I'm not proud of this, this fact and moment in my, my life. But uh, So I took marine biology, last class, of the, last class of the day, very last period of the day. I didn't have to have it, didn't need it every day. <laughs> Mr. Priest, that, that was the, our, our marine biology teacher, he come by my desk one day. Carter? Yes, sir. He said, this doesn't work by osmosis. <laughs> In other words, it's not just going to, you know, you got to learn it. You got to read it. I don't know if I can memorize the whole Bible. Okay, let's don't do that. Let's memorize the areas of your weakness. You know, I, honestly, I probably, I probably wouldn't need to memorize any verses about alcohol. I'm not tempted a bit. Not one ounce whatsoever, period. It's just not an issue with me. But there are people that struggle with that. There are people, and everybody's got issues. Don't ever think there's somebody with no issues because everybody's got an issue. If you don't think you've got an issue, that's your issue. <laughs> are you with me? It, I got Bible, First John chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You lying to yourself, say amen. All right, now, 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 now we're going to get in the good part. This is so good. He says, after you submit, all right, remember we're talking about victory. We're talking about winning the battle every time. First, we, we, we surrender. Okay, I'm not, I'm not in charge no more. I'm not the boss anymore. God, what you want me to do here? It's like, it's like the prophet said, here am I, send me. I'm surrendered. I'm letting go. Lord, what are you, if you want me to be a painter, if you want me to uh, uh, be a lawyer, if you want me to be a preacher, if you want me to be a missionary, hey, if you want whatever you want about my life, God, let me just tell me I'm here. I surrender all. Okay, we submit to him, his perfect will in our life. Then, after we submit to him, we start a fight. Jesus, Jesus was baptized. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and immediately the Holy Spirit drew him into wilderness to start a fight. He was in a fight with the devil. He resisted the devil. Uh, uh, thank God he won. Say amen. amen. And we can too. We understand his way. We utilize uh, the word of God because the only way to fight uh, a lie is with the truth. So we got to have the truth. We got to know the truth. Okay, now, now he says, draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to God. I, I honestly thought, and I had it listed out. I had it listed out like seven things. But the more I studied it, this is what God showed me. Verses 8 and 9 go completely together. It seems like different things. But what this is, and when you read it and you study it, you will see that in, at the beginning of verse 8, 
He says, draw nigh to God. And then if we want to use it, this kind of terminology, he says, let me tell you how to do that. How many of y'all would like to know how to get closer to God? He tells us. And I'll prove it. I'll prove it how all of this works together to draw nigh to God. Watch what he says. Draw nigh to God. How do we do that? How do we, and, and by the way, before he even tells us how to do that, he makes us a promise. If we'll make an effort, he'll make an effort. And how many of y'all know he can step further than you can? So all I've got to do is make an effort. All I've got to do is try. And I don't have to be real good at my try because he's real good at his. Say amen. We just got to make an effort. He's got to see that there is, there is a try on our side. He says, you draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh to you. Watch this. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Now watch. Here's what I want you to see. We're talking about getting close to God, right? Getting close to God. And, and, man, there's so much we could preach about right there. Uh, some of us don't know the will of God because we're not close enough to hear him. There is so much to being victorious in a Christian life that has to do with our nearness to God. Have, being near to him so we can, what does the Bible say? In thy presence is fullness of joy. Y'all with me? Pleasures evermore. I mean the fullness of joy. And you know what the Bible says? The joy of the Lord is my you know why we have no strength and we're being defeated all the time? Because we have no joy. And you know why we have no joy? Because we're not in his presence. See how this just goes together? So he says, I want you to draw nigh to me, and here's how I want you to do it. I want you to cleanse your hands. I want you to purify your hearts. I want you to weep and mourn. Watch what he says in Psalms 24. Watch what he says in Psalms 24. This proves how this all goes together. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? What is he saying? Who's going to get close to God? Who's going to be in the presence of God? Does this make sense? Now watch. Now watch. He that hath and a... Look at there. That one verse right there proves that verse 8 and 9 go together. And that he's trying to tell us how to draw near to God. It's by our hands and our heart. Now watch. He that has a clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let's break this down. Let's break this down. Hey, let's break this down. First off, if we're going to draw close to God, and I, I just thought of a verse. I just thought of a verse. Flip over. Flip over to 1 John. Let's, let's, let's flip over to 1 John real quick, real quick. Uh, 1 John chapter number 1. 1 John chapter number 1, if you, if you can't flip fast, I'll just read it for you. Watch this right here. Uh, the Bible says in verse number 5, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, that's being near, right? That's being near. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we, we lie and do not the truth. But... If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now watch this. Now watch. How does that, what does that mean for this? If we're going to draw near to God, we're going to have to clean up our act. We have two things here. He says, clean your, 
and purify your There's two things. There's two things. He said, if you're going to draw near to me, you're going to have to do something on the outside. You're going to have to clean up the outside. Y'all with me? You're going to have to clean up the outside. Watch what it says. Watch what it says in Proverbs chapter number 28, verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But watch this. There's a twofold deal here. But whoso confesseth and, and, say it with meaning, and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You, you, you can't just say, you just can't. Uh, uh, come here if you can. Quickly if you don't mind, brother, sir. Now watch. Now watch. Here's the thing. Right here, right here. All right? I'm sorry for hitting you. I'm, I'm just so sorry. Yeah, I want to hit you, this is it, but this is a perfect illustration. Now, is that going to work? No. But if I... They weren't helping me. Yeah. But here, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You see the difference? Now, the Bible says... We're to forsake our sin. We're to clean up our act. We're to change our ways. We got to change our behavior. Don't come in here and say, I'm sorry, and then go back out there and keep doing it. Does this make sense? He said, clean your hands. You're not going to come into my presence dirty. You're not going to come into my presence. Are y'all with me? Who's going to stand in his presence? They that have clean hands and a pure heart. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Don't tell me how good a Christian you are if you're going out there and living contrary to the word of God. That's a lie. We've got to get it right. We've got to clean up. We've got to straighten up. You say, how do I do that? Quit doing what he tells you not to do. That's not complicated. Well, I'm just not sure if I'm... Yeah, you are sure. You don't need to call me and ask my permission. You don't need to call me and ask me if that's okay. The reason you're calling me and asking me if it's okay, he's already told you no. You're just trying to get my permission. I'm not going to have to go call somebody to go up there and get me a hot fudge Sunday. So you're being facetious. No, I'm not. I know that's okay. I know that's okay. What do we normally ask questions about? Something we feel. But we really want to do it, so we hope the preacher will sign off on it. You may tell you what's some good advice. When in doubt, don't. The Bible says stay away from even the appearance of evil. Are y'all with me? So even if it looks like it. Now watch. Now watch. I, I hit a lot of people right there. Because you're struggling. You're struggling. And, and, and you're trying to come to church and you're trying to keep that lifestyle out there. That's why the devil's beating your eyes out. You, you, you see what, look what the terminology he used. Clean your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, ye, ye double-minded. You know what he says in James chapter 1, 1? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. 
What does that mean? When you're uncommitted, you're trying to play both roles, you're going to be so unstable, ain't nothing going to be right in your life. Your marriage is not going to be right. Your, your workplace is not going to be right. You can't live for both. You can't serve God and man. Y'all with me? So we got to clean up the outside. I believe in that. I like the, I like the, 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 the sign that says, uh, uh, come to God. He will take you just like you are. How many of y'all believe that? I don't care who you are. He'll take you just like you are. But I like the sign that goes with it. But he won't leave you that way. Oh, we need to be more like Jesus. He accepted everybody. He sure did. And then he changed them. When the demoniac came to him, when they found him, he was sitting clothed and in his right mind. Somebody say amen. He told the woman that came and was caught in the very act of adultery. He said, neither do I condemn thee. But watch what he said. Go and sin no more. Are y'all with me? When the disciples, listen, when he called them, he said, you used to be fishers of men. Or excuse me, fishers of fish, but I'm going to make you fishers of men. You can't come to Jesus and not be changed. If any man be in Christ, he is a, a new creature. Somebody say amen. Now, I'm fixing to get a bunch of you. Because you look pretty on the outside. And you, you, you've cleaned up pretty good on the outside. The, you know, the stuff people can see. Watch. He says, you got to change it, cleanse your hands. That's the outside. If you're going to draw an eye to be, you're going to have to pay some attention to what's, what's happening with them hands. And hands basically means sinning and diso- disobeying God on the outside. But then we got to consider our thinking. Watch what, watch what Jesus says. Watch what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. This is so good. This is so good. In Matthew chapter 5, he says, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. That's your hands. But whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause, that's your heart. You see, it's not just about the outside. It's about the whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment. Matthew 23, 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You say, what kind of religion did they have? You may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Ye are like unto whited sepulchers. That's, that's, that's where you put dead people, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. For even ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Oh, mercy. No wonder we have no victory. No wonder the devil's beating the eyes out of so many Christians. Because they look good on the outside. Hey, I didn't, I didn't commit adultery with that woman, but you sure stared her down. Well, preacher, I haven't killed anybody, but you got so mad you wanted to. 
You see, God does not just care about what we do with our hands. He cares about what's on the inside of our heart. I, I can tell you tons of people, uh, ladies who wear dresses down to the floor, on the outside they look like sure enough Christians, but on the inside they're bitter. On the inside, listen, they, they have anger in their heart. On the inside, it's totally different. And they wonder why. Hey, you can't, it's not just about the outside. It's not just about the outside. It's about the inside. You can't look good on the outside, but wicked on the inside. God cares about both. You remember what the prophet said about David when he picked David out of all his brothers? He said, God don't look on the outside. He looks in the heart. And in, in Jesus' teaching, what Jesus is saying, is, he said, you can clean up the outside all you want, but not mess with the inside. Well, the inside's going to change the outside. But what you need to do is change the inside first. Mm-hmm. Preach it, Bishop, preach it. See, we don't want to hear that. Because we'll fix all the stuff people can see. That way we can judge the people that's not good at the stuff we've gotten good at. We can criticize others because they're not as holy as we are because they hadn't got victory over their sins on the outside. But I've gotten victory on all my outside sins. You can't see how wicked I am on the inside. So all that does is make me a Pharisee and a hypocrite. No wonder we can't draw nigh to God. Because God says, you look good on the outside, but boy, look at your heart. Look at the way you're treating people. Cleanse your hands, the outside. Cleanse your heart, the inside. If we're going to draw nigh to God, it's going to be more than just stopping this habit or stopping that habit or, or fixing stuff on the outside, we're going to have to do some heart surgery. Are you all with me? Say amen. Now watch this. This is You say, well, I don't see how nine goes with it. Watch what he says. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. You see, it's not just our actions. It's not just our thinking. It's our feelings. It's our feelings. He said, turn your laughter into mourning. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you, you, you don't feel about your condition like you need to feel. You don't understand how bad this is. You don't understand how serious the situation is. How many of you, how many of you have seen patients that this really, you know, talk light about their situation? I know you have been in surgery areas and all that. And the doctor says, hey! This is serious. You're either going to have to change your diet or change your behavior or change your habits. Listen, this is, a, this is important. This is a big deal. Because sometimes we just take it so lightly. We take our pride so lightly. We take our sin so lightly. And he says, it's time to quit laughing and it's time to mourn. It's time to look at your sin as God looks at your sin. The word afflicted here. The word afflicted. I looked that word up. And you know what the, the, the definition in your concordance of, of the word afflicted, where he says be afflicted and mourn, it means to realize. This is what the definition gave. Realize your misery. I thought, wow. And you know what God is trying to say? He said, open your eyes. You need to see how bad of a shape you're in. 
If you're getting your eyes beat out all the time, there's a reason for that. And this is not something to make jokes about. This is not something to laugh about. This is not something to ignore. This is serious. This needs attention right now. We shouldn't be cutting up. We should be mourning. Our hearts should be broken. We see what's going on in our country. We see what's going on in our surroundings. We see what's going on in our families. He said, it's time to shed some tears. You say, what does that got to do with drawing near to God? Watch this. Watch this. Psalms 34, 18. Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is... What did he say in that verse? He said in James, draw to God and he will draw. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is nigh. Unto who? Them that are of a, and saveth such as be of a. That means broken. It means contrition. Look what it says in Isaiah 57, 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him. With him. Who him? The him that is of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. You see, we've been talking the whole time about that section about drawing nigh to God. And you see how all this goes together? You see, coming close to God and getting close to God is not about coming to church. You think, well, I'm, I'm going to church, so I'm going to get close to God. No, no, it's more than that. It's cleaning up your life. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in ours, we lie and do not the truth. It's more than showing up to church and carrying your Bible. It's stopping the things he said to stop and starting the things he said to start. And it's not just the outward. He says, I want you to work on the inward. I want you to work on your heart. It's one thing not to commit adultery with a woman, but it's another thing to have your heart right too. It's one thing not to murder somebody or kill somebody, but it's another thing to have your heart in such a place that you don't allow anger to overtake it. Does this, does this make sense? But then he says this. He says, you want me to be close. He says, I want you to be broken. I want you to have a right attitude about your sin. I want you to have a right attitude about what this is all about. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Then lastly, this is most this, this may be the most important. I thought, I thought almost that this one was the same as the first one, but it's not. Submit means to release control. It means to say, I'm no longer in charge. I'm no longer the boss. God, you're in charge. Now, he says, he says we, are to, we are to submit to God. We're to resist the devil. We're to, we're to draw nigh to God. Now he says this. Now we are to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves before God. Now, this word, this word means to abase, to, to humiliate, to lower. Now watch, the word humility, the word humility. The definition is given is a modest estimate of one's own worth. i got to do this quick. Two things, two things. I want you to see, first, Paul's preaching. First, Paul's preaching. i gotta, I got to say this quick. 
For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. You know what it means to be humble? Don't think so much about yourself. You know what God is saying? Y'all ain't all that. God is saying, look, it's not about you. What you do have, you didn't get it. I gave it to you. He said, don't think so highly of yourself. Now watch. How many of y'all believe Paul was probably one of the greatest missionaries there ever was? And, and he, got to, he got to experience a lot more than we ever will. He got to go to heaven and see heaven before he got to heaven. Are y'all with me? But watch what he says. That was Paul's preaching. He said, don't think so highly of yourself. But then I want you to see Paul's practice. 1 Timothy 1.15, when Paul goes to talking about himself, this is what he says. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came to this world to save sinners of whom? Of whom? I'm chief. He says, when it comes to sinners, man, I've been the biggest one. I've been the biggest one. Then he says in Ephesians 3.8, unto whom am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He says, when it comes to the saints, I'm the least. When it comes to the sinners, I'm the chief. Let me tell you what's wrong with most Christians. They think when it comes to sinners, they're the least, and when it comes to saints, they're the chief. They've got this whole thing backwards. They've got the whole thing backwards. Preacher, what are you saying? Let me give you some encouragement. Well, actually, it's more of a warning. It's more of a warning. If you don't humble yourself, he will. Ask Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. That's your homework. Go look up Daniel because i got to quit. I'm way over time already. There's no way that was only an hour. Nebuchadnezzar, study it. I think it's Daniel 4. I think it's Daniel 4. See what happened to him when he wouldn't humble himself. Christian, if you don't humble yourself, he will. And I promise you this. I promise you this. You would rather go to the cherry tree and get the switch than your father. That's all I'm going to say about that. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, help us to do all this stuff. Help us to accomplish this. Help us to to submit to you. Help us to draw nigh to you. Lord, help us to resist the devil. Help us to humble ourselves before you. I pray that your perfect will be done in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Good night, everybody. Don't forget your homework. <laughs>